0: On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I share with you my experiences of imposter syndrome and tell you why we all need to believe in ourselves a little bit more. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 35 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. For 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm going to be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to see just how much my life can change in a year. This is the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I take on some fairly unusual things and this episode right here is all about week number 35 in that journey right hello hope you're well hope you've had a good week um it's another one of those weeks for me where it feels like it's been forever since I last sat down to record an episode as always of course it's only been 7 days and i don't know what it has i don't know what it has been about this week but it's just felt long um but also quite uneventful. Maybe that is why it's felt so long. What have I been up to this week? Uh, I think I mentioned on last week's episode actually that on Friday last week I had a haircut booked in Cardiff and that was going to be my first actual real haircut in months. Uh, So I was excited for that. I was looking forward to it. I definitely wasn't going to miss the appointment, but then I woke up and a few things happened and so I wasn't able to make that appointment. But, later on that day, I was off to Corby, and so what I did, I got on my phone, and I booked the very last appointment I could find for any of the hairdressers in Corby, which was at, like, 5pm. So I booked another haircut appointment in another place, and then we left Wales, heading towards Corby, with more than enough time to spare. There was, like, an hour in it. I was definitely, definitely going to make this second appointment. But then, of course, we hit traffic. It was a Friday. It was rush hour, and so... Uh, You know, we were just basically sat on the motorway not moving So I had to call ahead to cancel that appointment as well because I was gonna miss it and I didn't want to mess people around and so despite my entire day last Friday revolving around several attempts to get a haircut, I didn't manage to get one But thankfully the next morning back in Corby at 10 a.m. I got up, I went back to the place where I had the initial Corby booking and I managed to get my super hair... super hair? super long, super messy hair sorted. Now here's the thing, right? In the weeks before I got my haircut, I'd been playing with the idea of getting my hair way shorter. I've I've joked about getting like the H or the Dermot Kennedy haircut, basically cutting it all off. And although I wasn't really all that serious, I knew that I did want to change my hair. But when it came down to it, that decision was kind of accidentally taken out of my hands. Um, As I explained how I wanted my hair to, to be cut to the lady who was about to cut it I'm fairly sure that I asked for the exact same thing that I always ask for Now I never get my hair cut in the same place twice just because of how much I'm between Corby and Wales But still I think that my description of how I wanted my hair was fairly identical to every other time I've explained it, but for whatever reason somehow she interpreted that entirely differently And cut it like way shorter with a completely different fringe and I'll be honest for the first like two or three minutes despite doing that typical polite British thing of being like yeah it's great I love it I was like ah shit I don't like this but you know what the second I got home and was able to properly look at it and play with it a bit I'm actually really really happy about it it's it's such a fortunate mistake that Uh, She managed to, or not managed to, it's her job, she's good at it, right? But she happened to cut my hair in a way that I actually prefer to how I was going to get it cut. Uh, It's almost identical to what I wanted, but then didn't follow through with asking for. So by chance, I ended up not only with a haircut finally, but with a good haircut. So I'm happy about that. Uh, What else have I been up to? Went back to the gym this week. I think in the last five days I've managed to sneak in five workouts which I'll be honest with you is five more workouts than I have managed to do in the last like three or four months. Three of those workouts were in the gym and two of them were in the middle of a very public field. Side note, doing workouts in a very fucking public field surrounded on three sides by roads and another side by houses with dog walkers walking past is going to take some getting used to. It's it's another one of those It's it's nice to work out outside. I didn't know this, but it's it's definitely one of those things where you have to almost go to the absolute edge of uncomfortability Until it feels normal. So I'm just gonna crack on with doing that But anyway two outdoor workouts free back in the gym and wow, I am happy to be back in the gym Uh, You probably know if you were listening back in like March April time that going to the gym back then wasn't something that I was all that asked about when everything closed down I had kind of lost the reason why I was going in the first place and it was just something that wasn't very high on my list of priorities and I don't know what it is specifically about lockdown uh, or what happened over the last few months that's caused me to be like this but over the past two or so months I've been absolutely itching to get back in the gym and of course in Wales they're still closed until Monday I believe the 10th and so when I got back to England On Friday couldn't wait to get back in the gym and so that's exactly what I did and I'll be honest with you I completely overdid it. So the joints between my upper arm and my lower arm On like the inside where it folds were fucked the other day like I couldn't extend my arms all the way outwards The day after the first session I did and then today after an all-in leg session on Tuesday My legs are just there's no other word for it. They're fucked like I've had DOMS before, delayed onset muscle soreness, but this is just another level. Going from sitting down to standing up, or trying to walk downstairs, or literally just trying to walk today is a struggle. So I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself today, but yeah, happy to be back in the gym. Really going to have a good attempt at sticking at it this time. I feel like it just, it feels right. Um... There's not that, to be fair, not that there ever was that added pressure of summer, but everybody seems to slowly climb this gradient towards like having a wicked summer body and then you hit August and that kind of, that deadline evaporates and everybody then slowly falls downwards until the Christmas slump. And it's quite nice to be getting back into the gym in August because it avoids that whole uh, peak and then trough. So I just think that, yeah the gym this time around finally is going to be a thing so I'm going to be keeping you updated with that not least because I like calling myself out on things because it just helps me keep myself accountable. But other than that it's it's kind of been an uneventful week and you can probably tell given that the two highlights of my week were getting a haircut and going to the gym but what I do have for you is what I thought was something quite interesting Um, and it came to me literally last night when I was reading just before bed, so Like I mentioned last week, I've been reading a book called The Secret GP, which is essentially the diary of a inner-city GP based somewhere in England, and he has anonymously shared what it's like to be on the front line of the NHS in 2020. And like I said last week, the book as a standalone thing is is really really interesting. But something which stood out to me yesterday wasn't really a key part of the book it wasn't about you know medical practice it wasn't about patients it wasn't about health issues it wasn't some uh, political statement about the nhs it was something that really wasn't a key takeaway from the book for most people i imagine but it really stuck with me so i want to talk about that so towards the end of one of the final chapters having read literally dozens of examples of times when this gp has gone above and beyond in his job to help And heal people and in some cases has literally saved lives. The author, he calls himself Max Skittle, it's a pseudonym to keep himself anonymous, but he says something really interesting. Uh, Interesting because it's clear from reading this book that he is good at his job and interesting because he is clearly qualified. He says that he feels like an imposter. Now that seemed wild to me because think about this for a second. To become a GP, if you didn't know, because I didn't until I read this book, you need to study first for five years at university to get a degree in medicine. So you need to study for five years, pass and get that degree. And then you need to undertake two years of foundation training in places like A&Es, all sorts of different clinical settings. And then after all of that, you need to undergo a further three years of specialist training to become recognised as a GP. That's 10 years of training just to become a GP before you ever see your first patient. And then in the case of the author, he's actually done another three years of of seeing patients. He's been in the job for three years. So after 13 years, after countless hours of training, after thousands of successful consultations with patients, this GP in question, Max Skittle, as he calls himself, is still able to feel like an imposter. Feel like he doesn't belong. Now, you probably know this already. You're probably familiar with it, but there is a name for this and it's called imposter syndrome. Now, I would definitely jumble my words trying to define in like one or two sentences what imposter syndrome is. So I did a quick Google a second ago and here's what Harvard Business Review defines it as. They say, imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Imposters suffer from chronic self doubt and a sense of intellectual uh, fraudulence. Couldn't read that word there. There we go. (laughs) That overrides any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. Basically, put another way, despite belonging somewhere professionally and on your merit, imposter syndrome makes you feel like you don't deserve to be in your position. It gives you the fallacy that those around you despite being in the exact same position as you, are somehow better, that you're somehow inferior. And I think that whether we admit it or not, we all go through this. I can think back to so many times in my life where I've been in a situation where I felt like I didn't belong. And actually, as I say that, there's a couple that come to mind straight away. Uh, I think that the first was the... um, day one of filming young apprentice so we stood in the reception area that you've probably seen on tv outside of the boardroom and i was actually the first one into that area so the way it works is the producers will tell each person to go in one after the other the after the other and you'll be told either where to sit or where to stand uh, so they kind of have you ordered in a certain way right so i was the first person into the boardroom waiting area on the first day, sat there on my own, on one of the sofas in such a way that I could see every other person walk in one by one. So I really got to look at each of them before I ever got to speak to them. And that means I could see each and every one of the other 11 candidates walk into the waiting area. And in that moment, just before I'd even said hello, before they'd even opened their mouths, I felt like I didn't belong there. I was sat there with this super long hair in a suit that was way too big for me because there was no way I could afford anything else. Looking the youngest by far, having probably the highest-pitched voice out of all of the guys and girls on the set that day, I just felt like I was a fucking kid. Now, on reflection, I probably had the most business experience out of anybody there. Anybody being the candidates, of course, not Alan Sugar. And just like everybody else in that waiting area that morning I had gone through the same audition process I'd beaten the thousands and thousands of other people who had applied and I had made made it on merit to be part of that series I belonged there but in the moment my mind was telling me something completely different my mind was saying I did not belong there I think to a meeting we once had with I won't name them, but one of the biggest media agencies, one of the biggest media buying agencies in the world during the Magnate magazine days, and uh, we were we were given this meeting to essentially discuss how we, as a business, could go about positioning ourselves to be the kind of publication that would be able to work one day with such an enormous media buying agency. And so we walk in through these revolving doors, and we're in this huge. Uh, central london office and there's a fairly high level exec who had come to meet with us that day i have to context it by saying that i don't think he wanted to meet with us he was asked by somebody more senior than him to come and meet with us which probably explains everything i'm about to tell you but we're in a big office in a big company's uh, well office high level exec and after explaining to us that we had no chance of ever working with an agency like theirs this bloke literally picked up and ripped in half a copy of magnate in front of our eyes because just for a bit of context one of the things we told him is that you know the other competitors at the time people like shortlist whilst they claimed to be premium magazines they were printed on like shit paper and so he he took issue with that ripped our actual magazine in half in front of our eyes and was like all paper rips doesn't matter and now whilst he was clearly a dick in that moment, all of the hard work and relative success that had led up to Magnate so far left me for a moment, and I felt like I shouldn't have been in that room. I felt like I shouldn't have been given that meeting, and even I felt like I should probably just stop running Magnate. I wasn't good enough to do it, clearly, this man was telling me so, right? Now, at the time, I was 17. We had printed tens of thousands of copies of the magazine. We were getting something like 30,000 online visitors per month. We had dozens of strong advertisers, including some national brands. We had interviewed people like arguably the best-known business person in the world, Richard Branson, and a future Prime Minister, though of course we didn't know it at the time, Boris Johnson. Looking back, we were doing really well. I mean, fucking hell, I was 17, but in that moment... Put under a certain kind of pressure, even before he ripped up the magazine, just when things felt a bit tough, I felt like a complete imposter. And even more recently there have been times during the building of PATA where I've sat in meetings with prospective clients and for a moment I felt completely out of my depth. Not because we as an agency aren't qualified to do the job, we are. Not because we don't have a bunch of results to point to, because we do. Not because we aren't able, but just because we all have this self-doubt voice in our heads. A voice that wants to run away from growth moments and hide in the corner of comfortability. But I think that we need to do everything in our power to avoid running in those situations. We need to face them head on. Because in any situation where we feel uncomfortable, in any situation where we feel that we're an imposter, we're there for a reason and so that's why i found the example of the gp in this book the secret gp so interesting because you know speaking for myself here but i can fairly safely assume that everybody's the same a gp is somebody that we trust we know that they're qualified and able and they're in a position that they have worked hard for we generally respect our gps They find successful outcomes in a majority of the issues they're presented with and they're seen by others to be people who have their shit together. They've even objectively passed their degree. Like, there's no grey area there. They've objectively passed their degree and foundation years and speciality training. And even then, even somebody in that position after 10 years of intentional training can feel like they don't belong. And so, reading that last night, Despite, like I say, it really isn't a central theme of the book. It just leaped out of the page to me because I think it's, it's really quite an important reminder. And it's a reminder that there are always going to be situations in which we feel like we're the odd one out in a room. Situations where that voice that we all have in our heads explains why we're not supposed to be there. Or why we shouldn't send that email. Or why the project we really want to do... Will never work out or even why it's not worth applying for that promotion but here's the thing I have a theory about why we all get this self-doubt and it's something that I can't remember what episode but I've definitely spoken about this theory before and it's this idea that each of us knows our own story in intimate detail and yet we only know everybody else's public-facing PR story with the details that they selectively want us to know about And so everyone else's route to success looks neat, tidy, planned, predictive. And our route to success, our route to where we get to, looks messy. And so we see the messy, the challenging, the unconventional route which brought us to the situations we find ourselves in. And then we compare that, that real route, to everybody else's fake route. And of course, with such a broken comparison, with such a flawed comparison, we're going to find flawed answers. And that answer will be that we don't belong there. But I've learned to control that self-doubt. Because here's the thing, right? More often than not, we arrive in positions because we deserve to be there and paradoxically the only thing that eventually holds us back from flourishing in those positions is that self is that same self-doubt because once you have self-doubt in your mind it changes the way you think and behave and then ultimately changes the way you act but look there's there's no there's no punchline here i just thought that if you trust your doctor who could well be riddled with, riddled with self-doubt You should also trust yourself because in the same way that you look at your GP and trust them because they're there on merit there are other people looking at you and trusting your experience they're trusting your ability they're trusting you so trust yourself and that is all I have for this week Um, that was a short one I always say that but I know for a fact that was a short one Um, But that's all I've got. I have been having a think recently about what I'm going to do with this podcast when we reach 52 weeks. And uh, I have a good idea now, to be honest. Uh, I'm not going to share it yet because I just want to look into the, uh, for want of a better word, the logistics of it. Because what I'm thinking is there's going to be two formats of episode that will run side by side uh, with, you know, one coming out in week one. The next in week two, then back to the first type in week three and so on. Uh, So whilst this isn't set in stone, whilst this may never happen, I have a funny feeling that what's gonna happen is we're gonna reach week 52 of this podcast, it's gonna be like my birthday and Christmas and New Year, I'm probably gonna pull the plug for two or three weeks over that period because Um, as as well as living life and um, running a business and dealing with family stuff and all of the challenges that we all have with life having to also translate that into two emails and uh, a 30 minute podcast every week is it's it's all right now but I know it's going to get draining so over Christmas I'm probably going to have a two or three week break and then I'm thinking we're gonna come back with series two of this and it's gonna be slightly different, almost the exact same format, it's still gonna be the same me, it's still gonna be the same thinking out loud, but I'm just thinking that we can change things up ever so slightly Uh, now that we've we've all had a chance to say what works, right? So many of you over the past 35 or so weeks have got in touch and told me things that you do like and also importantly, things that you perhaps don't like about this podcast. And so, you know, we're not at 52 weeks yet, we're still quite a way out, but we've just hit August. And that has absolutely flown up on us so yeah I'm thinking about what happens to this podcast when we reach 52 weeks and I have a fairly good idea so hopefully in a couple of months time I'll be able to tell you more about that uh, but in the meantime look thank you as always for being here um, I've got into the terrible habit of recording this late at night once again so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go and get this edited and uploaded and then I'm gonna get myself to bed hopefully you have a good week Thank you again for listening and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 36 of Life and Lessons. See you then.